Let's take our Bibles together, please, now, the book of Nehemiah. We're continuing to see essentials to revival in this chapter. And we've gone rather slowly, trying not to be in a hurry to all the rich things that are found in this chapter. How God really did a great work with that small remnant that had returned. And he's began not building a wall, but building something in his people. And a great spirit of revival is sweeping through them. And there's some ingredients for that. Some essentials for that. We've been going through these one at a time. And tonight we want to start reading with verse number 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse, I take that back, verse number 7. Let's start with verse 7. Get these good names in here. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 7. The Bible says, also Jeshua, Benai, and Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatiah, Hadijah, Maaseah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Pelaiah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tirshath and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Drop down to verse 13, please. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra, the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. Now we've already gone through the text how they've all been standing as the Bible is just being read to them in verse number 3. And how many hours upon hours that reading took place. But now we see in, in verse number 7 how the Bible is not, in verse 8, the Bible is not just being read, 7, 8, 9, it's being taught. And I would say this, that there would be no revival without this book. And it's not just the simple fact of reading the book. That is an essential ingredient. Absolutely. And it's not just hearing the book, but it's understanding the book. One of the great things that happened in this meeting was they not only read the Bible and heard the Bible, they understood the Bible. So many people say the Bible is a hard book to understand. And, and it, of course, you can't understand the book without understanding the author. But one of the purposes of preaching and teaching the Word of God is to make the Word of God practical to you. And in verse number 7, you've got 13 men that are going to be teachers of the Word of God. All these men, it says, cause the people to understand the law. They heard it, but now they're causing them to understand it. Look at verse 8. 
<coughs> all scriptural Bible preaching and teaching has these three ingredients. Verse number eight. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly. Number two. And gave the sense. Number three. And caused them to understand the reading. Now, true Bible preaching and teaching does those three things. We read the book. In other words, we don't just get up here and holler. We read and holler. What we do read, we have to get our subject matter from the Word of God. We want to read the Bible together. They read in the book distinctly. But then number two, it says they gave the sense. That is such an important phrase in the Bible. They gave an explanation of the Scripture. They gave the sense. They they told what it meant. They exposited it. The exposition of the Scripture. I'll I'll bring up a theological... I'll, I'll just bring everybody to seminary real quick. It'll be real easy. When they gave the sense... We use the word exegesis to explain that. That means out of the text, it is explained. In other words, we don't explain the Bible from our own opinion. We explain it out of the text. That's what exegesis means. Ex, E-X, that prefix just like an exit sign. It lets you know that you're to go out from, from the place where you are. Well, what we're supposed to do, we're to read the Bible and then out from what the Bible says, we get the understanding, we get the sense. Now, there's another type of, of in seminary, what they'll teach you, there's a different type of way to approach the Bible, and that's eisegesis. Now, the word exegesis, that's something going out. Ice, that's a little prefix. In the Greek language, talking about something coming in. In other words, you're bringing your opinions, your thoughts, your beliefs into the text. We don't need to bring our stuff into the text. We need the text to bring its stuff out to us. You see the difference? If you'll get on, don't do it, but it's all on YouTube. It's all on the Internet. It's, it's all over uh, most modern day preaching. What they will do is they will read things into the Bible instead of getting things out of the Bible. Like this. I saw this one the other day. And they'll get, they'll get hundreds of thousands of watches and clicks and people listening. There's this professor, you know, and he was talking about this and trying to make the Bible. Oh, we don't understand the Bible because you don't understand that the Bible's literature. Eve wasn't really talking to a snake. Snakes don't talk. That's just literature. That's just a, an expression, a figurative way for God to get things across. Don't, don't take all these things literal. And so what he does is he, bring, he takes the Bible and he reads into the Bible his own thoughts instead of letting the Bible tell you what it says. He's going to tell you what the Bible means. That was a literal snake. Yep. That was really talking. You know, and if people say, well, that's just crazy. No, the crazy thing is all those animals popping out of the ground at creation. That's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is God taking some dust and making a man. 
The Bible's a literal book. If the Bible's not literal, it doesn't even mean a thing. If you can read into the Bible, what I heard a Baptist pastor say this. He, he's a Baptist pastor. I'm not saying he's a bad man. But he, 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 he was preaching from the book of the Revelation. And he said, you know, the Bible says that God uh, grabbed Satan, that old serpent, and he, he chained him. He said, that's not a literal chain. God's not putting a real chain around the devil. <laughs> I guess the bottomless, the pit he put him in wasn't a real pit. He said that thousand year reign of Christ, that, that's not a really thousand literal years. That, that's just a figurative. You know, God's smart enough. If he wants to make something figurative, he can do that in the Bible. He, he doesn't have a problem telling you something figurative. In the English language, we have words that designate that. That's the words like and the word as. I could go through the Bible with you tonight and show you that, but, but I'm not going to do that because I, I really think that this crowd believes the Bible is literally the Word of God. If it's not, it doesn't mean anything. You can make the Bible mean whatever you want it to mean. And all that started way back in Alexandria, Egypt with a guy called Origen there. And, and it, it, it continues with the Bible correctors. I'm telling you what, read the Bible and then let the Bible speak out to you from what it said. They gave the sense of what it said. They weren't putting the sense of what they wanted it to mean. We read it. Now out from this text, what does it say? And they gave the sense of it. They gave the explanation of God. And there's much failure in handling the Word of God with people, not letting the Bible speak and not giving the sense of the Bible. And not just in the liberal crowd. I'm, I'm afraid that sermons today are about as shallow as the praise choruses are. You know, the praise choruses are very, so very shallow. They just say a few words and they repeat them over and over again. And, and the sermons are getting like that. They say very little. They don't deal with very much, especially not much of the Word of God. And uh, most of the churches ought to be closed down because they're not reading the Bible. And they're not giving the sense of the Bible. They're having a little show and they're having a little feel-good time. And then the guy gets up and talks for about 15 minutes and they go home. And they learn nothing. And they don't hear anything from God. And there's no conviction in the heart. And there's no change in the life. And what I'm showing you here from the Bible is they read that Bible and they gave the sense of it. They let them know very plainly everything God was saying out of that Scripture. And then the Bible says they caused them to understand the reading. I would say that would be reading and that would be exposition and then that would be illustration. You know, so many times God uh, took the word of God and then he illustrated it. So that they it could, could become practical to them. You know, I could preach the Bible in such a way that it wouldn't mean anything to you. Though it would be true. But you, you need to be, we need to have a cause to understand what that means in my life. What that means in my heart. What that means in my family. And so the illustration of, of what's in the book and how it relates to me. That's illustration. You know, the job of the preacher today is, 
and what failure there is. The primary job of a minister is to give himself to the ministry of the word. He's not, he's not to be a politician. He's not really to be so much of a manager. He's not to be a great encourager or a cheerleader or just befriend everybody or solve everybody's problems. The great job of the minister of God is to take the Word of God, read it to you, give you the sense of it, and then cause you to understand it for your life. Now that's not to say that a minister of God is not to encourage you or help you or guide you. But my chief job, and the chief job that should be of the pastors and the preachers across this country, it's not being fulfilled, is to take this book and defeat it to you. Line upon line, because it really doesn't matter what I think, it matters what God says. And the need of our lives is to get this material in our heart and mind and, and understand it, because this is the answer. This is the answer. I am to preach the Word. I, I am to preach the words of this book and to feed you with them and cause you to understand them for your life. So that's why people used to go to church. That's why they ought to go to church. I need to know God. I need to hear from God. I need to understand His Word. That's what's happening here. And a real understanding of it and a receiving of it and a believing of it will cause revival. He gave those pastors and teachers and those evangelists for the perfecting of the saints. And they, you can only do that through the Word of God. To feed That shepherd is to feed the flock of God. Feed people the Bible. And, and if we'll come into the house of God like baby birds with our mouths open, say, God, I want to be fed. I want the Word of God. I, I, I didn't come for somebody to talk to me. Or, and I hope you have a good time talking to each other. And I hope you fellowship together. And I, and I hope the singing is a blessing to you. And, I, and I, hope, I hope all that's true. But when we come to church, you all say, God, I need food. We're going to read this Bible, all of it. We're not just going to read the parts that we like. You know, we, we get on the liberals because they don't preach and give the sense of the Bible. But, but I tell you what, there's just as much... There's just as much blame to be had in Bible-believing preachers that, 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 that don't do that. All they do is preach the things they want to preach on. I mean, growing up, I remember, amen, and I had a good church, and I had, I had good pastors. I'm not saying anything contrary to them. But in my day, uh, back when I, when I was a young person, if, if, amen, if you didn't hear a message on salvation or soul winning or separation, you didn't hear nothing. Hey, salvation's great. But if I got up here every time and preached on salvation, why would I do that if my congregation is saved? You need to hear more than just salvation. That Bible says you need to go on unto perfection. Don't lay again the foundation of all those things. You got more to learn and more to hear. I believe in winning souls. We need, we need to hear more and more of that. But there's more in the Bible than just soul winning. You could take an average uh, Bible-believing preacher, and if you gave him the book of Obadiah and said, get up and preach that, he wouldn't even know what it meant. 
I'm saying that in a sad way. And I say that as one that graduated from uh, one of the fundamental institutions and I had my Bachelor of Arts degree and I'm, I'm 22 years old sitting and reading my Bible and my study and at a position as assistant pastor in a church and I'm reading through the minor prophets and I stop and say, hey, I've got a degree in theology, but I don't even know what I'm reading. And if I had to explain it to somebody... I'm reading Zephaniah, but I can't find soul winning in Zephaniah. And I can't find New Testament salvation. And I can't even find separation. I don't even know what this is talking about. And it dawned on me, hey, if you're going to be involved in this, you, you, need, you need to know the Word of God. And I, I had every day, what I did from that on, every day, I just started going through the Bible systematically. I got to know this book. Because this is supposed to be my life. So he says he read in the book distinctly. He gave the sense. And he caused them to understand. So many parts of the Bible people say I don't understand it. Well you need to let somebody give you the sense of it. You remember that Ethiopian eunuch that was riding in his chariot. He was reading the Bible. But he didn't understand it. And he, Philip, the Spirit of God said, go join yourself to that chariot. And he, he did. And he saw him reading that Bible. He said, understandest thou what thou readest? He said, how can I except some man should guide me? And Philip went into that chariot and preached unto him Jesus. And he explained to him and gave the sense of what he was reading in Isaiah chapter 53. And he caused him to understand that that thing in Isaiah 53 was not just about the Christ and about the sacrifice of the Lord. He caused him to understand that that was about him, you see. He's the one that needed to believe that report. He's the one that arm of the Lord needed to be revealed unto. Oh, that the Word of God would come alive to us and we would be more interested in being fed the Word of God and bring it into our hearts instead of any other agenda that we might have. And the Bible says in verse 13 that this not only continued with the people, but it continued with the leadership. Look at verse 13. Now, after they taught all the people, verse 9, (coughs) look at verse 13. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. Here the teachers found out, you know what? We were teaching this thing and this stuff over here in Deuteronomy, and we hit a little stump there. Ezra, can we come by tomorrow and can you teach us the Bible? Because it's going to be hard for us to teach the people if we don't understand what it's saying either. The chief of the father, the priest, the Levite, they came to Ezra and they said, Teach us. If we're going to be teachers, then we need to be taught. Look at, just go back a book to to the book of Ezra. Hold your finger there. Ezra chapter 7. Now I'll show you why they did it. (coughs) Excuse me. Ezra chapter 7. Ezra was able to teach the leaders things they didn't know in the Bible. You know, a great, a great day in your life, just like I just gave my personal illustration, when you could come to the conclusion that there's things that you still need to learn. 
Sometimes people, people never come to that conclusion. What if these chief priests and these rulers and the pre, all these people that were teaching these others, what if they said, well, we know enough? Then somebody's going to get something led in wrong from them because they don't know what they need to know. So they had to be teachable. Now, why did they go to Ezra? Ezra chapter 7, the Bible says in verse number 6, This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe. In the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given, he's a ready scribe. I mean, this guy's on top of it. He's on the ball. He's copying the Bible out, you see. But not only is he copying the Bible. Can you imagine that be your job, just to copy the Bible? They say, well, no scribes copied the Bible. They'd write a little while, especially when they came to the name of God, they'd put the pen down. They'd, they'd pause. In other words, not get in a hurry. He's a ready scribe. He's copying that Bible. He wants to make sure every word is right. Verse number 10, but he didn't, he didn't just copy the Bible. Verse number 10 says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, And to do it. And to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. God deliver us from understanding the Bible. But being unwilling to do it. A real teacher. A real preacher. A real individual that can help other people. Is not somebody that just knows the facts of the Bible. But they want to do what the Bible says. And that their heart is seeking what the Bible says. I remember being in Bible school, in Bible college, and people just arguing about things all night, you know. I just got back from a, a preaching meeting and uh, went to Tennessee last week and also South Carolina. And, and I got corners from by, some, by some Bible college students, and they started asking me some Bible questions, you know. And I don't mind that, but you know what? I stopped and looked at those guys, and I said, you know, guys, I'll answer your question. But you know what? That question really don't matter. There's a whole lot more things you need to know about God than the question that you're answering. Are you seeking with your heart the law of God and the ways of God and the words of God? Or are we just trying to fill our minds up with information? The reason that Ezra was so so ready and so so uh, approved of God and, and so able to teach others who will be able to teach others also is not just because he knew the Bible and he wrote the Bible, because he sought the Bible with his heart and he lived the Bible. And all those people came to him and said, You know, we need you to we need you to teach us the Bible like you know it. We need you to teach us about God like you know God because we don't know God like you know God. Isn't that what the disciples did about prayer? Guys, they've been around prayer all their lives. They, they, they knew how to pray, but they didn't know how to pray like that. And they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you know, we, we've heard the rabbi pray every Sabbath day. We heard mom and daddy pray growing up and we prayed. But when you pray... We need to know how to pray like that. And they came to Ezra and they said, you know, if we're going to help the people of God, you need to put in us what God has put in you. I wonder tonight, what would everybody be like if what's in you was in them? 
Would it be a great thing? Would it be a grievous thing? And so the leaders come to Ezra and says, you've got to teach us the Bible. Guys, there's so many things we need to be taught in the Bible. There's so many things to learn in the Word of God. And it all has a, there's a doctrinal explanation of the Bible. There's a practical explanation of the Bible. And that's what's going on here. And I'm going to conclude with this. I'm not going to preach long tonight. But before I conclude, by, by the way, this revival was a daily thing. Would you look at verse 18? They had this great first day. They had this great second day. But boy, I like how verse 18 starts. Also day by day from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. They said, we, we need to do this every day. Church, we need to do this every day. We need to seek God every day. Revival is a day-by-day event. It's us seeking God every day and getting our soul fed every day and getting in that book every day. That's what made this such a special time. It wasn't just some big religious event and they went home and it didn't matter. It was a day-by-day thing. We need revival day-by-day in your house. We need revival day by day in the church house. Well, wouldn't it be terrible if everybody was real spiritual today, but they come tomorrow at Bible school and God's a million miles away? How much do you think is going to get done? We've got to be in tune with God tomorrow, church. At Bible school, we've got to be in tune on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Friday night. But the truth of the matter is, if we're going to have real revival, we've got to do it day by day anyway. I'm finished with this. There's three ways you respond to this book. The first is in verse 1 to 8. They get up and read the Bible. They give the sense of it. They understand it. That's an intellectual response to the Bible. That's the response of your mind. Okay. I acknowledge, God, that you said that, and I believe it, and I understand it. But the second response to the Word of God is from verse 9 to 12. Look at verse 9 with me. Nehemiah, which is the Tirshath, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. The second response to the Bible is not intellectual, it's emotional. You see that? It's emotional. They're crying. Verse 10, then... He said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet. Send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace. For the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is an emotional response. They go from crying to shouting. They go go from weeping to rejoicing. Great mirth. Guys, if this book, if you just respond to it intellectually and you never respond to it emotionally, 
and it didn't go very far. It got about as far as your earlobe. But we're not trying to get the Bible just in your ears and your head. We're trying to get it down in here. Here's what I think some of us do. We're like, we're spiritual, uh, we're spiritually congested. How many of you had problems with your allergies and some of that congestion? It seems like it's just, it's a plague, you know. And you get all stopped up, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you, your ears are stopped up, your nose is stopped up, and your lungs are stopped up. It seems like when you breathe, you know, you, you cough because it, it can't get far enough down in there. Sometimes I think that's where the Bible is. We're spiritually congested. We got all this stuff all clogged up in us. And the book goes in here and it goes in the brain. But it has a hard time getting on down far enough into our hearts to produce some emotion. Because something, it just can't get down far enough in there. To where it brings a tear in my eye. I'm not trying to embarrass her. I'm not trying to put her on a pedestal. I appreciate, I appreciate Miss Shannon singing this morning and some emotion came out of that. Amen. I'm not, every time I sing, I don't cry, but I tell you what, there ought to be some emotion down in there. Sometimes I got to fight it back. When I, when I preach, I, I don't want to preach dead. I want to preach some with emotion in here because the Word of God is more than just something for my brain. Something for my heart. The things of God, if it didn't hit my emotions, there's something wrong with my heart. It's too cold. It's too dark. It's too callous. It's not tender enough. It's not sensitive enough. And they're crying. And then they're laughing. You know the Bible's getting down deeper when it goes from here down into here. It's been a blessing sometimes to see God work in our church through different meetings and different times. I've watched literally, literally, I've watched some of you people get moved so much by the word of God that you've left a puddle of tears where you got up from. And I'm telling you tonight that that should not be some rare event in our lives. But, you know, that's not the end all to everything. Some people, if they got all emotional, then they thought they had a great meeting. But that's not the last way to respond to the Bible. They responded to the Bible intellectually. They responded to the Bible emotionally. And then they responded to the Bible volitionally. That means in their will, they did something about it. It's one thing to understand it, get all happy about it, or cry tears about it. It's another thing to then get up and go do something about it. <clears throat> and we won't deal with it tonight. But from verse 13 to 18, when they really get an understanding of what they're reading, the Bible said in verse 14, and they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths. As it is written, 
So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths. They read in the Bible. They, they came to a place and, and Ezra said, you know, in this Feast of Tabernacles, y'all are supposed to dwell in booths. That's like, <clears throat> that's like if all of us went out and, and, and lived in tents for a while. You need to come out of your houses and you go, need to go make your little lean-to and we're just going to live in these booths. And they read that in the Bible and they said, you know what? We don't do that. And Daddy didn't do that. And I never heard Grandpa talking about doing that. And as a matter of fact, as I read the Old Testament, I can't find hardly that anybody ever did, did that. But it was in the Bible. Why didn't they do that if it was in the Bible? You know what they said? I don't know why they didn't do it. But praise God, we need to do it because that's what he said. They understood it. They got emotional about it. And then in their will, they made a choice to change their life, change their decisions, and do something they'd never even done before. And when it gets down into your will and you start making life decisions... Based upon what that book says. You start making the decisions of your life based upon what it says. Even if it's, even if some of this stuff, I mean, some of this stuff is weird. They say, well, weird or not, we're going to do what God says. All of us going out there and camping together. We, we, We can have church. We don't have to go camping. We can read the Bible without going camping. Why do we have to go camping? What if God Almighty told all of us to go camping? For eight days. All of you take off work and we're going to go camping for eight days and we're going to live in tents. Well, we'd have some complaints on that one. Preacher's just getting radical on it. We're going to the tent. Why are we going? We can meet God without having to go in the tent. But that's not the point. That's what they're reading the law to do. By the way, you know, you ought to praise God every day you don't live under the Old Testament. Amen. But you know what? We can't do what he said in the New Testament. I'm going to be nice. What I'm trying to tell you is the Bible, if it's going to make a difference in your life, you've got to make a choice with your will that your life is going to be controlled by what he said, even if he tells you to go out and live in a tent for eight days. I still never heard a preacher preach and give us the sense of Isaiah God come to Isaiah and said, go walk naked and barefoot for three and a half years. So you got quiet. Did y'all know that was in the Bible? I can tell you all kind of reasons that that's not of God, but it was of God because God told him to do it. Do you know there are some things in the Bible that don't make sense to you, but it makes perfect sense to God? I'm thinking of some things, but I want to be nice. There are so many commandments in that New Testament 
That's about you ladies and it's about you men and it's about our children. And what does it matter if we know it here but it doesn't move us here and we don't do anything about it in our life? We want revival? Then we need to respond like these people responded. 